You're listening to The Deal. I'm Danny Brown. This week's episode is a special guest, one of my boys from USC Baseball, Jock Jones. I know I joke all the time that they put me into retirement, Jock Jones and Walter Dawkins and Jeff Jenkins, but they did, and it's devastating, but it is. That's my, that's my baggage. I love to joke about it with these guys, but this episode, we get into a lot of the USC tradition, growing up in San Diego, starting to play young, and you know, he, as a freshman, started at SC and hit some bombs and He's famous for LSU in the Super Regionals. Hit three home runs in one game. And you know, in the Olympic team, he was on the Olympic team, he hit four something with 15 home runs in 39 games. Went on to an incredible big league career at the Minnesota Twins. Has a vote for the Hall of Fame. Didn't get into the Hall, but he's close. Anyway, this is a fantastic, fantastic episode. You can find Jock Jones at Instagram, at jockjones1128. Also his incredible charity, all Hands on Deck 11. You can find that at All Hands on Deck 11, the number 11, and .com, where they're giving back a lot of money to youth in need, help them with sports equipment and sports registration fees and school and all sorts of really, really important stuff. So an all-around incredible guy. Love seeing him. Hopefully you get a lot out of this episode and enjoy it as much as I did. School is in session with Jock Jones. All right, Jock Jones in the house. Welcome to The Deal, my man. Good to see you. How you been? Danny, good, man. Good to see you. What is going on in the background there with the purple? Oh, man, it's Omega Sci-Fi to the day I die, my fraternity. I got Oh, come on. Yeah, somebody made me a character. And so (laughs) I use it as my background. Well, look, I want to get into a lot of stuff today. There's a lot of changes happening at USC in the USC baseball. For those that don't know, Jock and I went to school together at SC. He was a superstar. I was a bench warmer that got cut. I always joked that him and Jenkins and Walt Dawkins put me into retirement. It, you know, it's not bad having some big leaguers, you know, put you into re- retirement and make you and make Gillespie cut you. But uh, let's get going with your baseball story. You grew up in San Diego, Southern Cal guy. Uh, why don't we talk about you know, growing up in San Diego, how baseball became your sport, because obviously you're an athlete. You, you know, did you play a bunch of sports growing up? Talk us through that. I did. I played, uh, I played baseball, played football, which was my first love. I played a little bit of basketball, uh, but mainly football and baseball. Uh, but when I was into the other sports, I always had a baseball bat in my hand and went to the cages. And, dude, I, I honestly, through my whole life, my whole career, I was blessed with being around good people, not only good coaches, but good men, uh, some good women, um, and just just good people, good organizations. I got into baseball when I was about five years old. My uncle, uh, who I'm still really close with, uh, he played a bunch of fast pitch softball as a okay. young adult. And so I used to hang out with him. Go, used to go up to the uh, Barona Indian Reservation. They played a bunch of fast pitch softball on the weekends. I'd go out and hang out with him all Saturday and Sunday, get out on the field with him. But he'd tell me, hey, man, even out of, as a five-year-old, hey, if you're going to play with us, like no crying, no whining, we're going to throw the ball to you like you're a grown man. So if you can't hang, get off the field. Right. And you responded. Yeah, man. And so, like, I just hung. And and that that's just where I... I fell in love with the game of baseball on the fast pitch diamond uh, on the Indian reservations. That's incredible. So at some point through your trajectory, Little League, et cetera, things started happening and I'm sure it became apparent uh, that you had some super talent in baseball. About what age uh, (laughs) did you start realizing, okay, there's something different going on. I'm not just another Little League player. Honestly, about 10 or 11, but that was against kids my age. Um, but really, when I was about 13, <laughs> I was 13 playing a uh, pony league, and uh, a guy just happened to be checking it out, watching us play and stuff, and he says, hey, why don't you play with us in this adult league team? And I was like, dude, I'm 13. I'm not old enough. Because at the time, I think it was like 17 was yeah. the age. And he's like, dude, we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. So and you joined, you against- played with the men? I was playing against grown men, dude, when I was 13. And that's You're when like I was seventh like, grade or something like that. Yeah, something like that. And I was like, okay, <laughs> something's going on here. I'm not scared, right? And it's not it's not something I can't handle. So I was like, yeah, something's going on here. 
Were they throwing at the little kid? Were they trying to? Oh, yeah, dude. They were coming in high heat. Oh, full on, dude. So talk me now, high school. Uh, You went to San Diego High School. Tell me, what was that? What was your baseball experience like there? So um, I I went to a, 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 a secondary school called Gompers Secondary. So it was a, it was a, it was, it was a, a scholastic school, um, no sports. Okay. So a bunch of my friends used to go to Lincoln high school. And then some of my really good friends went to San Diego high. So I followed my friends to San Diego high. Um, and we were all playing JV and, um, it was crazy because the coach only wanted me to pitch on the junior varsity team. Right, I was a pitcher. I was a pitcher. P.O. P.O. Pitcher and a first baseman in high school, <laughs> right? So he was like, "Okay, I just want you to pitch." And I'm like, "Dude, I'm better than all the hitters that you have on this team, right?" So I was like, "Okay, I'll give it a, a go. I'll give it a, a try." And about three weeks in, dude, I was getting like no at bats, and so I was like, "You know what? I'll just quit here, <clears throat> go back." stay at Gompers a full day and just play pony, you know, baseball. And so the varsity coach, it came in and he was like, Oh, I heard you quit. And I was like, yeah. And I explained to him the situation. And he goes, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> excuse me. I'll tell you what, I'm going to bring you up to varsity on the condition of you're going to pitch, but I'm going to give you some at bats to maybe work yourself in. He goes, I'll give you a chance, but you know, right now we, our need is for you to pitch. So I was like, all right, sweet. He was true to his word. I, I came in and pitched. Um, but the turning point was we were playing a team called Madison and we were down nine, nothing came in to pitch. And we ended up winning 10 to 11. I got three. I was three for three with three doubles and like four or five RBIs. Whoa, that was the game where he said, hello. Yeah, I was a freshman. You were a freshman. Freshman. So anyway, we ended up getting to CIF that year. Um, and we played Grossmont, which was Grossmont High, which was number two team in the country at the time. Total powerhouse. Yes, yes. And so I ended up starting. I was a starting DH in the CIF championship game. As a freshman. As a freshman. Was that a Dodger Stadium? Where did they were? Anaheim Stadium? Oh, San Diego. San Diego. This was San Diego. We ended up, we were playing at USD. We, uh, that was, so at the time it was one year at the stadium, which was Jack Murphy at the time or USD. And it just so happened the year that we got there, we played at USD. So I didn't get the full on, you know, big league stadium experience. That's all right. That came later. Yeah. Yeah. So it, did you play football in high school too? I did. I didn't play though until my junior year because I was still playing Pop Warner and stuff and I wasn't, I loved it, but I didn't really love it enough to try high school. But then uh, again, one of my boys convinced me to come out and I just switched from defense to offense. So I was playing quarterback. So I ended up playing quarterback my junior year of high school. And then I played uh, a little bit of quarterback and one of my buddies transferred over from another school and I moved to wide receiver and strong safety. Yeah, so you did finish out playing high school football as well. All right, so let's now get into you know, senior year recruiting starts. And, you know, what was that like being a high school athlete being recruited back then? And what was the uh, what was some of the main factors that you were interested in to go to SC? Because obviously there's a lot of schools out there and, you know, professional baseball, all that. So what can you remember to put yourself back in that, those days? I sure can. Um Honestly, SC wasn't even on my radar. <laughs> so uh, I was, I had dreams of going to Pepperdine because one of my high school teammates, his name was Keon Sly. He, um, Jesus, he, um, I'm watching, trying to kind of watch this game, but he had a full ride scholarship to go to Pepperdine. Wow. Right. Uh, my school of choice were Texas, who was a powerhouse back then and Pepperdine, because my boy got recruited to go there, he got drafted by the Braves in the 10th round, uh, so he decided to sign. Okay. So, mind you, he was a senior, I was a freshman. So, all the way through school, I was like, okay, my boy didn't go to Pepperdine. I want to fulfill his dream and go to Yeah, Pepperdine. you wanted to go now. 
So you had Pepperdine on your mind. Yes. So I did not get recruited really out of high school except for really San Diego State. And that didn't happen till late. One of my volunteer coaches at the time on my high school team was tied into SC. He was a booster and, and kept telling the coaches, hey, check this kid out, check this kid out, check this kid out. We got this kid. You should really come check him out. Yeah. So Cruiser came out. Gillespie came out. I don't remember if Coach Sanchez. Yeah, they all three came out. Yeah. Cruz, my boy Cruz. Yes. And so they were like, okay, we want you to be a two-way pitch and you know, at the time I was a first baseman, we need you to play outfield. So I was like, all right, sweet. No big deal. It was an easy change, right? So um, a kid, I don't even, I don't remember his name, but at the end of the summer, I didn't go on a recruiting trip to the end of the summer, right? Of senior no, year? Yes. Nobody's on campus, no, like school's out, everything, right? So school's, uh, uh, the campus is empty. Um I didn't really get the full experience of having everybody on campus. No. But anyway, okay, I wanted to get away from home. So my only two options were San Diego State and SC. So I was like, dude, I, I don't care. I just want to get out of San Diego. Knew nothing about the program. Knew none of the players who came through. the Dude, I knew nothing about the SC program. Zero. It's amazing. Zero. You right? just said, I want to leave San Diego. That's my option. I want to leave San Diego. So get there, go through all the, 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 and the, at the time the offices were above the third base dugout, which had nothing really in there. So I get to learn about the history, all the guys who went there. I'm like, oh snap, like Rod Dato, like yeah. 12 national championships. Like, I'm like, Shh, I had the jackpot, dude. Yeah. By accident. <laughs> By accident. <clears throat> so get to SC, sign. I got a full ride up because, like I said, the, the kid at the last minute signed. So full ride. No, my I, my parents would not have a, been able to afford to send me to SC. So get there, go through uh, uh, fall ball, all that good stuff. You know, ball out in the starting lineup now, playing left field. <clears throat> our first series against Pepperdine. First at bat, I'm hitting ninth. First at bat, bases loaded. Cade Gaspar is a pitcher. 3-2, home run over the scoreboard. Grand slam. First at bat against. So I'm going crazy running around the bases like, you motherfuckers that want to sign me? Like, yeah, like, like, fuck on that. Yeah, it's revenge time. You showed them. Oh, man. So, like. That was the start of the college career. That was the start of my college career, dude. So you made that transition very quick. You played right away. You started contributing right away. Your freshman year, was it 94? 94. 94 was the first, yep. Yeah, that's when I graduated. That's right. That's why I always joke that you put me into retirement, you, you guys. But man, hitting balls over the scoreboard as a freshman, hello, that's why. So now, okay, let's talk you through some of the SC history here. You had uh, a really outstanding college career and obviously got drafted really high, had a huge big league career. I just have to bring up a fun memory. You hit three tanks against LSU in the Super Regionals at LSU. Talk me through that that game or that regional or just three tanks. Who are you, Reggie Jackson? So again, dude, like I tell you, like I could do a story movie about my 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 life and my baseball career. So we're at S uh, at in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Alex Box Stadium playing LSU. So I go into that regional with two homers, right? The the first one was my first at bat. I think I hit one against Santa Barbara. So I'm, I got two homers, right? But but let's go back a little bit and I'll I'll, I'll come back. Why? I was, hitting, I was hitting 350 at the time in the middle of the season and I was going to transfer because Gillespie was all over me. <laughs> right? But that was the first time that I, that was a time that I turned into a man because my mom was like, nope, you're not going anywhere. You're going to stick it out. If he didn't, if he wasn't on you, he, it, that means he doesn't care about you. Correct. And they, he told me the same thing. He was like, man, I'm on you because I, I know you can play. You got potential. Like, so I was like, all right, cool. 
So I was hitting 350 at the time and I was like getting ready to get, and you know how Skip was, man. He was just in your face, like nonstop. Well, you hear this a lot from a lot of the best players that came through the program that, Dan, he was all over me. It made me want to just leave. And then it's like, well, those are his best players. Yes. So that's, that's when I like finally started becoming a man because I was like, all right, dude. And, and like, we all went through a jinx, Gabe, every Walter, everybody went through it. And it just, after a while, just became funny. Cause it's like, dude, he's giving everybody the same treatment. So like, it's not, you know what I mean? Not personal at all. Right. So fast forward back to LSU. Now, two homers, I go into this regional, right? So then I hit one against Tulane. <clears throat> so then we were in the championship against those guys. We had to win two games from them. You had to beat Tulane twice? Or no, no, no. We had to beat LSU twice. LSU, yes, right. Super regional. You had to beat them twice. So we get down 6 nothing. Place is going crazy. I come up. They're nuts there. Dude, nuts. I come up. Scary to be in the outfield at LSU. I'm, I get down 0-2 quick. So then, boom, hit a homer. So, like, I'm, I'm going, running around the bases, excited, trying to pump the team up. I come to the home plate, and I'm telling my teammates, like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go. So the crowd, like, thought I was, like, giving it to them. Dude, so they just start going crazy. Heckling you, throwing stuff at you. Booing me, like calling me every name in the book. Not good names. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, racism. Children or anybody's children to hear. Racism, that's when I first had contact with That racism. was it. Oh, dude, because I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. So my, my second at-bat, dude, I come up, get down. First of all, they boo me coming up to the plate. Get down 0-2. Strike him out. Get the, my, you know, Boom, I hit another one, two-run homer. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> like, yeah, so, like, it's still, like, they're, they're going crazy. Now they really hate you. <laughs> oh, they can't stand me, dude. In the midst of this, they're threatening Coach Gillespie's wife. Oh, at the time. Dude, he went up in the stands. Because they were bad. He went up in the stands during the game, okay? Because they were harassing his wife. Oh, my God, right? So then I come up again. I think it's like we're down 10-6 or 10. I don't know what it was. Same thing, dude. 0-2. Get down 0-2. Battle, battle. Boom. I hit another one. Three tanks. Three bombs. Three tanks, dude. So going around the bases, now I'm like, you know, what's up, motherfucker? Like, what's going? Like, what's up now? You know? In the dugout going crazy. Get my stuff into the inning. Soon as I hit the top step of the dugout, Everyone stands up down the first baseline all the way to the wall. Transfer, transfer, <laughs> transfer. Dude, it was a from from booing. From booing and racist comments. To six to, to, six to eight thousand people yelling transfer. Transfer. <laughs> right? Now now mind you, Skip Bertman is the head coach. Yep. So who's the head coach of the Olympic team? The U.S. team, Skip. So who gets an invite to the Olympic trials? Mr. Jones. <laughs> who makes the Olympic team? Mr. Jock Jones. So opportunity doesn't say here, opportunity across, you know, like I was just in the moment and I was ready for it and it turned into something else. Yeah, you were ready, you seized the moment. Preparation meets opportunity or, or luck, whatever. Yeah. So, so like not only doing that in that experience, but it also turned into another great experience. Which is? Was it, was the, I, I mean, I made the Olympic team. Well, I, yes. And you guys won a bronze, but was that 96? Yeah, 96, we won the, won the bronze medal. And who do you remember? Who was, who were you playing with on that team? 96. Oh God. Uh, uh, it was co college okay. guys. Yeah, college. We were the last college team, which was, which was, I always uh, am appreciative and uh, happy about that, being the last college team to compete, right? But let's see, Travis Lee, Warren Morris, Jason Williams was our shortstop, Troy Gloss was our third baseman, uh, Brian Lloyd and Matt Lee Croy were our catchers, Chris Benson, Billy Koch, Seth Greisinger, uh, Braden Looper. On and on. You could play a little bit, that team. 
Chad Allen, Mark Kotze, Chad Green, myself, right? J.D. Drew, J.D. Drew did not make our team. He didn't make it. Did not make our team. <laughs> that team was stacked. <laughs> that is unbelievable. J.D. Drew doesn't make the team. Did not make our team. Basically, you have to be a Hall of Famer to, meet, to play on that team. Right. So walk me through now, if you can recall, that some of your greatest memories at Dado uh, and some of your greatest USC stories that you can recall and what sticks with you now. I know there's a lot of them. Uh, can you remember, besides the LSU tanks, some of your biggest tanks, some of your biggest bombs? Uh, I remember I went, I went, when I really realized I had opposite field power, I went halfway up the screen against Rocky Biddle in left center against Long Beach. Oppo power. Uh, yeah, and that, that was, uh, <clears throat> I think that put us up or tied us in one of the weekend series games against Long Beach. Um, I remember seeing Jeff go up top the structure many a times and then- Jenkins went on that parking structure a lot, including yeah. his freshman batting practice the first time I stepped on the field at Dato at batting practice, and I hit one out, and I thought, I'm flexing. And then Jenks comes up, woof, woof, woof. I've never seen him. Structure, scoreboard, structure. That guy could mash. Arizona State, I finally hit one up top the structure. So woof, that, that is an absolute bomb. Yeah, yeah. Um, so talk me through some of, the, some of the lessons and some of the you know, SC culture uh, things that you've taken with you, lessons learned, values, you know, et cetera, things that stuck with you. Um, just, I, I just appreciated after, like I said, after I got over, you know, Skip being in my face and stuff like that, I just appreciated him. He was very hands-on, right? Hit and run slash, hit and run this way, hit and run that way, bunt, blah, 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 right? Very hands-on, very, I wouldn't say robotic, but like he, he called literally called every pitch, every situation, every whatever, right? But it made us all complete ball players. So that when I went to the next level, I knew how to bunt, I knew how to get guys over, I knew how to hit and run, I knew how to, you know, throw to the right base, hit the cutoff. I knew how to do all that stuff by the time I got to professional baseball. Yes. So, um, and, and playing with the guys I played with, like Jeff and Gabe, and um, I remember Lionel Hastings and Mike Mancuso and J.P. Roberge and Greg Waldridge. Yeah, man. Just I played with a lot of really good baseball players, maybe not the most talented guys, but, man, they could play baseball. They knew how to play the game, a high IQ, really studied the game. And, that, you know, that's that really does prepare you for a life after college, a professional baseball because you have to have that or you just can't advance it. Just can't, man. And I know at the time that the six pack was like the equivalent of double A baseball. Right. So playing against the Stanford's and UCLA's and Cal's and Yeah, it was. It was just equivalent of playing in double A baseball. You're playing in double A with aluminum bats and you know a lot of these guys and we always talk about guys that are on the bench on a lot of these teams made it to the big leagues and had big league careers. Didn't even start at these schools. Yep. Uh, that's pretty awesome. So now let's talk about the end of college, getting drafted, and what it was like to transition into the minor leagues, which I know is just the grind of grinds. Everyone talks about it. Coming from SC and the good weather in San Diego and, you know, the fun lifestyle, the parties, you know, and now all of a sudden, here you are. Where, where did you end up when, they, when you got signed by the Twins? I was lucky. Um, again, playing in the six-pack, they allowed me to go to high A. Cause I was like, hey, they were like, well, we want to send you here. And I was like, well, I went, I'd like to start in high A. So we're like, all right, no problem. <clears throat> get there, dude. I get hurt my first game. Oh, no. Two for three, hit two doubles. I had an uh, a awkward slide and I, I just I sprained my knee. Ugh. But anyway, <clears throat> hung out there for probably about three weeks and then went home. But just in the, in the meantime, like we were on buses and I'm like, we flew everywhere at SC. Yeah, you know, flights. Oh, we stayed in these little motels, and I'm like, we stayed in nice hotels. From I was like, what the crap is this, dude? <laughs> right? <laughs> but the 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 good thing about playing in high A at the time was all of the stadiums were the big league stadiums and complexes. Um, okay. That the Florida teams worked out in. So I mean, the fields were cool, but they had good facilities. 
yeah, the, the 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 living conditions and the traveling, it was just like, uh, what Awful. is this? Yep. Awful. And so you were in Florida, the Florida leagues first? Is that where yeah. Yeah. I went to the Florida State League. Like I said, got hurt, uh, came back the next year, which was 97. Um, finished a year out there at Fort Myers and then went to New Britain for AA 98, went to the big league, or went to uh, Salt Lake in 99, which was my first big league spring training. And the yeah. first year I had ever gotten cut from anywhere, I didn't leave with a team. So got it. And you could, you were devastated, oh, but yeah, you were how you were young kids still, right? It was a third professional season or second professional. Yeah. But like <laughs> when you think that you're good, yeah. And never been cut before. And right. It's devastating. Reality set in, dude. And it was like, just. Well, how did you respond to that? Because that destroys a lot of people's careers. So, the, the mental toughness to, to survive that and bounce back. Yeah. So my first half, I started out really slow because I was uh, just trying to hit homers and trying to get, because all my friends at the time, I think it was 16 uh, guys from the minor leagues because we went, they put a group of us together and went from A ball to double A AA to triple A. We all went up together. And then a lot of those guys went up to the big leagues. And you went back to triple so A. back. See my friends play on TV. I'm in triple A. Like, man, I'm trying to get there. So again, like I'm telling you, dude, my just, just how my life was set up in my career. I, I remember I was in Oklahoma City and uh, we were watching, uh, at the time, Baseball Tonight was huge back then. That's when, you know, it was just, it was on every night. Yeah. So I saw, we were playing cards, and it was about 10 o'clock. And um, I saw my boy Matt Lawton get hit in the eye. That's when Dennis Reyes hit my boy Matt Lawton in the eye. Oof. Yeah. Oof. And so I didn't really think anything of it. I, I thought maybe there was a chance, but we're playing cards and our manager comes in at 10 o'clock and we, we had just been button heads all year anyway. Comes in and says, hey, you know, shut this card game down, you know, at midnight because, you know, it's curfew. So we're like, yeah, whatever, dude. We're at the hotel. Got nothing to do. No, yeah, just chill out. So he comes back about 1230 and we're still playing cards. The door's cracked and he peeks his head in and he looks at me and he's, you come here so i was like out of, all the, out of all the people in the room dude really <laughs> right you're getting called out so he, he 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 calls me into the uh uh hallway and he goes hey i thought i told you guys to shut that car game down at, you know at you know 10 o'clock or whatever or curfew i'm like all right dude but we're here he was like you probably thought I was coming back to talk to you about that, huh? I was like, yeah. Like, I mean, you singled me out. He goes, no. He sticks his head now. He goes, congratulations. You got called to the big leagues. Oh, my God. And this is midnight now at a random midnight? Midnight. So the next morning, I'm up. Uh, huh. Could you sleep that night? A little bit, dude. So going, we, <clears throat> I, we were playing against Cincinnati. Wait, so wait, wait, let's rewind. Don't go so fast. Yeah. You get the news. It's the middle of the night, basically. Then you try to get some sleep, which is probably butterfly excitement. So where you're, where are you? What city are you in? And where you got to get on a plane and... Yeah, Oklahoma City. You're in Oklahoma City. So early morning, you're on a plane. Did you go... Where were you? Minnesota or somewhere else? Yeah, yeah, Minneapolis. So you went right to Minneapolis. Here you are. Pack your stuff and go. Yes. So, dude, hit the ground running. Go... Show up at the ballpark, or do you get to put your stuff down? Listen, dude, hit the ground running. <laughs> Fly in about two, two-ish, go to the stadium, uniform, get on the field. I got to take fly balls because- Here the, you are. The roof and all that stuff, getting used to the roof. Yeah. Uh, signs, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm starting. <laughs> You're starting right there? <laughs> starting. <laughs> I, I, and I don't even remember who it, I don't even remember who my first big league at bat against. But I know I was 0 for 4 that day, right? So go 0 for 4. Went 0 for. I was 0 for my first three games. Three games. So another mental toughness challenge because that could end you right there. Yeah, but luckily, luckily at the time I was just starting to swing. I, I had pushed my average up to about 300, so I was in the groove. 
So anyway, didn't get any hits first couple of games. No big deal, right? I'm I'm still like, dude, this it's fitting to be on. You know what I mean? Yeah. We go to Milwaukee, right? Uh, God dang it. I, I don't even remember who the guy was again. But anyway, my first big league hit, Jinx was playing left field. It's a blooper in front of Jeff. <laughs> That's your first one. First big league hit, dude, right? A blooper in front of Jeff. Oh, there you go. You're on. You're average. Now you're hitting 56. Yeah, dude. So <laughs> after that, we I remember we went to Boston. And, um, once we went to Boston, I just started getting off. And it was just, originally I was supposed to stay up for 15 days. I stayed up for nine years. Never left. Never left. Never left. And so your transition to the big leagues uh, from a skill perspective, obviously there's a lot of other off the field stuff that's drastically, uh, dramatically different. But in terms of playing the game and adjusting to big league pitching, what that adjustment wasn't so dramatic for you, it sounds like. Sounds like, I mean, it, you started hitting and you never looked back. Dude, I, I was so overconfident, right? And not overconfident, just, just confident in my ability. I didn't care who you were, dude. Like, you got to throw the ball over the plate. I was a free swinger anyway, so I was always ready to hit. You went up there looking to hit. But once, I mean, I had the advantage because they didn't know anything about me other than the reports they were getting. Yeah. But I had an advantage because <clears throat> I always was able to hit the ball the other way. Yeah, which is huge. Right. So everyone's throwing me away, and I'm like, sweet, dude. <laughs> You're fine. You're just going with it. Perfect. Perfect. So, but that's year one, half season. Then the pitchers start figuring out, oh, he likes going away. We, they make their adjustments. Absolutely. And now, mind you, and I'll go back a little bit. Uh, so the highest output of homers I had was my junior year. I hit 10 homers in, in college. That was your highest 10? Yes. So my, fir my first full season of pro ball, I hit 13 and one half in the Florida State League. Wow. So my power, like, came when I started swinging wooden bats. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so I and I ended up, and I kind of pewtered out. I ended up hitting 15 total, but I had 13 in the first half. Wow. So it 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 then it translated over to the big leagues. I hit nine in a little over half a season my first year, and I think I hit 16 the next year, and then I think a year or two after that, I hit, the first time I hit 20. Yeah, and it was consistent. Yeah. Yeah, consistent production from that that short period of time. Yep, yep. Unbelievable. So tell me now, if you look back, some of the lessons through sports, through whether it's from SC or whether it's from the big leagues. You know, what are some of the lessons and things that apply to to life in general, whether it's mindset or work ethic or discipline yeah. or. But yeah, baseball. Baseball taught me to first of all how to deal with people, right? I mean, we got white dudes, we got Latin dudes, we got black dudes, we got Asian dudes. And it's just learning the different cultures and learning how to like deal with them and them dealing with us. And um, yeah. like, I had a core group of friends who I hung out with, but at the same time, like if someone said, Hey, come hang out over here, or come do this. Like, dude, like sweet. Like I was able to adapt. You yeah. know what I mean? Also yeah. like I've, I've been a, a routine regimented type person. Okay. So like, I never, no one had to ever really teach me work ethic because I was always working, but like, you know, I'd work out and then I'd go to the field early and get my early work in and like whatever work I need to do during BP before the game, like I would get that in. Right. So no one ever had to tell me, you know, how to work or, you know, go to work. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? You were self-motivated. So like in life, like you, you can't really wait for anyone to tell you what to do because like they're expecting you to already know what to do. So like it applies that way. Um, just failure, baseball teaches you how to deal with failure. It certainly does. It's a game of failure. I, I didn't handle it like, a, like, you know, some of my closest friends who I would like Tory Hunter, Travis Lee, like you would never know if they were 0 for 30 or 30 for 30. They were level. Oh, dude, they just, I was like, I wore my emotions on my sleeves, right? <laughs> but, but I also knew that it was a, a, a failure-orientated sport. So I knew even the good guys failed seven times out of ten. Yes. 
it still didn't make it any easier to fail, but like, it's like, dude, chill out. You know what I mean? So in life, it's like, okay, I know how to deal with failure, but I'll hang in there until, you know, in, until everything starts settling in and sets in. Yeah. So dealing with adversity, dealing with challenges uh, and not letting it beat you. It's, you know, you get knocked down, you get back up. And it's such a common, common theme and thread through athletes and really any performance, any performer at any level, whether it's business, whether it's, you know, an artist, whether it's an athlete, you know, right. to, to compete and can succeed at an elite level, you really have to be able to deal with failure and adversity. And certainly baseball has as much, if more, not more failure than anything. Exactly. And that prepares you for life, the reality of life. It's not always, you know, rainbows and butterflies, right? It's even close. Even in the best of times. Yeah, dude, you got to create your own rainbows. You can't wait for anybody else to, you know what I mean? Yeah. What are some big league memories that stick out to you? Um, I think the the most fun I ever had in baseball was when I played with the Olympic team. Okay. Like, those were some of my best friends. Uh, still keep in contact with some of the guys, Travis and I and, and Mark. We were kind of inseparable for two summers. Uh, Travis and I, we still play golf together. We still talk. We still, you know, um, he comes and plays at my country club. I go and play at his. You know, I follow Mark. I follow AJ. Um, yeah, I forgot AJ was one of our catchers, too. Okay. Yeah, so, like, some of my friends turned into baseball managers, and, and some of my friends were successful in business. And so, um, the the other um, team I enjoyed was also the Twins, right? Because, it, it, I mean, we had a true brotherhood with, in Minnesota. Like I said, we all came up together, and then we meshed in with some of the veterans, Eddie Guardado, LaTroy Hawkins, Matt Lawton, um, you know, Brad Radke, um, and, and you know, Terry Steinbach was on our team when I came up. Terry Steinbach. Yeah, dude. And so, it, it, I mean, the year uh, – 2002 when we played Anaheim in the championship uh, uh, American League Championship Series. Yeah. That was probably one of the teams that I was most disappointed in that didn't make it because I felt like if we would have got past those guys, we would have had a good shot to win. That the was the year. That club that year. But that damn rally monkey dude, it just killed you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that rally monkey was brutal. So loud. Oh, I can still see that thing. Then that house of pain jump around thing on a big old scoreboard and they're like, dude. Oh yeah. The memories. Yeah. But just uh playing with those guys and get to the playoffs three or four years in a row and, and losing to the stinking Yankees too. It was just like, but you know, I I wouldn't change any of that for the world because I've made some really good friends out of that group. And so yeah, those were some of the, the um times I enjoyed most playing ball. And if you had some advice to give young ball players uh, at any level. They could still be coming up through the you know, little league travel to high school, to college, to pro. Like, what are some words of wisdom from someone that's been through it at every level and played at the highest level, succeeded, uh, got some Hall of Fame votes? Let's talk about that. Yeah, I got one, dude. I got oh, you one. got one? That's good enough. Unbelievable. It's one more. You're in the one. hall. I'm saying you're in the hall. That's right. That's right. But what are some things, some advice? Because, uh, you know, a lot of the things you're talking about are really important. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people, a lot of kids are in these full-time travel programs at a young age. It's real serious young. Uh, I'd love to hear, a, you know, your take on that. First of all, I would say, if you love it, do it, right? Don't, don't do it because someone's telling you or someone's forcing you or it's because your friends are doing it. Like if you love it, do if you don't love it, do what you love, right? Do what you love. Also, I was 5'8", 135 out of high school. Yeah. I got drafted in the 33rd round, right? Um, had a scholarship to SC, of course. But like the word was, he's too small. He's not strong enough. He's not fast enough. He's not this. He's not that. So I use all of it. Right. I used all of it to fuel my fire. Oh, Mamba mentality. Yeah, dude. I was a more lot of a, mental. Yes. I'll show you. I'll show, you don't want to pick me. 
here, look at this. You don't want to pick me here. Look at that. You don't want to pick me. Look at that. You know what I mean? So I love that because so many kids, you know, I coach my kids teams and these kids get so down when they're not yeah. picked first or the start. And you got two options, right? What you just said, that's what a champion does. The pain, the disappointment, you put a chip on your shoulder. It's like putting gas in the tank and you get fired up and you, you prove them wrong versus yeah. Oh, I, I'm moping around. Nobody thinks I should start. No, I'm batting last. I'm not. Bat so it, it's the opposite of what kids do. You got to use it as fuel. You have to have, and even in the business world, you have to have confidence in your abilities, right? Because your employer really doesn't have confidence in you until they see your work. Same thing in that in sports. I mean, they, they, you're on their team, but like every year they're trying to replace you. Yeah. That's why they have a draft. Right. But Good it's point. like the more you do your job, the more you produce, the harder you make it for them to replace you. But the world doesn't stop. So when you're moping and you're sad and you're uh, nervous and you're scared, right? The, the life's still going. The game is still going. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like your uncle told you when you're five, if you're going to play the big boys, there's no crying in baseball. You just go hard and keep your head down and, and work. Nobody cares, man. I started, I started hitting, I was ninth on that, on that team as a freshman. Yeah. And by the end of the, my career, I was third. By the end of that year, I was hitting fifth. You're hitting fifth. Started ninth freshman year, fifth. You know That's a true freshman. So it's like, dude, yeah, okay, sweet. You want me to start here? Sweet, I'll start here. I'm not going to end up here, but I'll start here. Yeah, amazing. Such there's such gems, such wisdom. Yeah, man. Yep. Yeah. You can't you can't let like if you I always say this. <clears throat> however you feel about me, whether I agree or not, it's true, right? If you think I'm good, it's true. If you think I'm bad, it's true. That's your opinion, not mine. Doesn't affect you and how you think doesn't about yourself. Me. Doesn't affect me. Well, confidence is, is so important. Yeah. Dude, if you don't believe in yourself, how? why would somebody else? These are just great, great, great points. I love it. Talk to me about some fun personal stuff, man. What What are you listening to? What music? If you're going to work out. Yeah, man, I, I got... I got all kinds of stuff, man. I got little Dirk. I got little Baby. I okay. Got, uh, shoot, my son just turned me on a little artist called Babyface Ray. I haven't heard that. How old's your son? Uh, he's 25. Oh, he's older. He's yeah. older. Yeah. So he's always trying to dial me in with music, man. And so, yeah. like, uh, right now, like, uh, Gunna and Young Thug. And so it's just a, it's just a lot a, of hip hop. It's just a mashup. So it's all upbeat. Like, so when I'm on the treadmill or lifting weights, it just keeps me going, man. Keeps you moving. Keeps you moving. All right. How about any books you would suggest or podcasts? Uh, yeah, I'm not. Things that you like that you think. I'm not much of a reader. I probably should be. But right now, I, I don't have any books that I, I could recommend anybody. Besides the deal with Danny Brown podcast, any podcasts you check out? Yeah. So I'm I actually in the process of starting a podcast. Believe That's me. what I'm talking about, Jock. Yeah. I love my, it. My, yeah. With my buddy LaTroy. We haven't really named it yet, but. So my my focus on my podcast, it's kind of similar to yours, but not. So it always like rubs me a certain way when an athlete or entertainer gets in trouble, right? DUI, uh, uh, like domestic violence, let's say, right? Okay. Whether they did or didn't, right? Like sensationalized news sales in our our country 100 percent. you're guilty until innocent you're guilty even if you are innocent and he, that's what i was getting to even <laughs> if you're innocent you're still guilty yeah yeah it's awful what i want to do and, and it's always like when you're in trouble they go oh when he was eight years old he stole a piece of candy and when he was 13 years old he took his mom's car for a right they try to build the narrative that yes yes this was a bad person a bad kid so with me, like, I, and the thing that really got me going was when uh, DeMar Hamlin got hurt, right? And yes, the world 
uh, stopped and we, everyone was concerned and, and they were, yeah, pulling for him to, you know, pull through whatever he was yeah. going through, right? He had a foundation he had started and uh, it was three years in and he had maybe five grand in, uh, right? Basically nothing. He gets over $10 million into this foundation. But why? Because he got hurt. Like no one really cared about it until he got hurt. Nothing, nothing against how you give, why you give, when you give. But this man started a foundation three years prior to that. Right. Had nothing. No one can. Nothing. So for me, I want to I want people to know what these guys do outside of being an actor or actress or entertainer or uh, uh, baseball, basketball, football, whatever, uh, 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 real estate mogul. What do you What do you enjoy doing? What do you spend your time doing that makes yeah. you feel good? I love it. People need to know that because the human, the human side, dude. When something bad happens, they it's just like it's it's a they put a spotlight on it. Put a spotlight on these guys that are doing really good things. Warwick Dunn, right? Yeah, he's been doing houses since. Right. He's been giving, putting people in houses. I don't hundreds or thousands. I don't even know how many people. Hundreds. I mean, people know under the it. radar. No one knew about it. it. It should be huge news. Huge. It'd be, it's, it should be on the cover of Time magazine. Dude. The end of the year. So, so that's that's the goal of the podcast we're going to start. I want people to know of all the good that people do outside of their outside of their respective careers and whatever their media image is it's what is the real human doing what is their passions what makes them tick that's awesome shine some light on that i love it well let's shine some light on you now what are some things for you that that you're passionate about so, so I, I started a foundation uh three years ago during the pandemic it's called all hands on deck okay we have an instagram page at all hands on deck 11. um so i started it <clears throat> Because like I've always been passionate about giving back to my community, which was Southeast San Diego. Yeah. Um, and so during the pandemic, we were like, oh, it's a perfect time. I, I was actually putting together a resume to start putting together for coaching or whatever. And then the, the person that I was uh, doing this with, she was like, hey, you're way too qualified to work for people. You can do your own thing. Yeah. And so that's kind of like how the foundation got going. And um so our, our we we started out with a um, a fundraiser at First Street Bar and Grill in Encinitas. Uh, then we did a turkey drive, and then we did a golf tournament. <clears throat> um, so, so our, our the golf tournament is our biggest fundraiser. And we, what is the mission of the charity? What are you? So the mission is is to help kids who 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 wouldn't have a chance otherwise to do things they enjoy doing. Like we try to, you know, pay tuition for kids who could afford to play baseball, football, basketball, equipment. Um, uh, we helped, we sent uh, 10 kids to prom a couple years ago. Um, I, I sponsored a league with equipment. Um, and then I helped another startup league get football. And like these two leagues were football. So football equipment, and then like baseball equipment and like just wherever I can help out, that's where I try to step in. So where do where do people go? Shout it out again. What is uh it's it's all it's all hands on deck eleven, uh the Instagram page. At all hands on deck. Uh-huh. And then it's uh all hands on deck eleven dot com is our website. Okay, good to know. People should donate. You're doing good yeah. things. You're doing good things. Any other things you want to share with us while you got the mic and you got a podcast coming? We're gonna we're gonna have the, we're gonna break the podcast right here. That's right. Uh, no, other than that, dude, I, I just I love playing golf. I'm a I'm an avid golfer. And so okay. Try to play whenever I can, and um, we just came off a boys trip in Arizona. Um, a bunch of my friends and uh, uh, we we. I'm I'm the captain of Team Black, and uh, Mike believes is the captain of Team Blue, and we we smoked them like three years in a row. Three years in a row. Uh, three years in a row. So you got bragging rights. What is your home course? Uh, so my home course is Palma Valley Country Club. It's uh it's in uh, Valley Center. 
It's in between Paula and Harris Casino off the 76 here in uh, San Diego. San Diego. So you're still in you're still in San Diego. Um, and I'm in God's country. I can't leave. Yeah, you can't beat San Diego. I love it there. Encinitas. I'm actually coming down there. Our Compass, the brokerage, we have our annual retreat in a market around the country. And this year it's San Diego. So I'll be down there in November. Sweet. I'll come by and see you if you're around. Yeah, come on down, dude. I'll be around. Come around, take some hacks. Yeah, bring your clubs. I'll get you out. So to get back to our old school SC here before we move away, any uh, any, any other things to mention about the, the history and the legacy of SC baseball? You walked into SC not knowing anything, but you probably walked out of SC with a lot of pride and knowing that you left your mark on a historical program. I, I did, man. Um, I really did. And, you know, you get, in, you get into the locker room and, you know, it, even though you're in a professional setting, in a professional situation, everyone brags on their colleges, right? So I couldn't really necessarily brag on SC football at the time because we were kind of in a, a, a low, you know? But baseball, I was like, dude, like, you guys talk, like, we lead the country in national championships. Drop the mic. Right. I just came off of being in the national championship game. And, like, we just used to brag on our schools, right? I love it. So then over the course of time, we got better at football. So I'll start sticking my chest out with Bush and Liner. Liner, and, yeah. And White and uh, uh, Ray Maluga and Palomalu and, uh, and uh, Clay Matthews and all those guys. Dude, I just, I got a chance to puff my chest out. And so there's yeah. nothing like on a Saturday afternoon bragging about your college. So fun. Fight on, baby. It's so fun. Although last weekend wasn't wasn't fun. Hey, that hey. was not fun for Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we'll turn it around, Jock. We're going to turn it around. I, I hope so. Yeah. Thank you for spending time with us. Man, always good catching up. You're looking good. Maybe I'll see you in San Diego in a couple weeks. Yeah, man. And I look yeah. forward to your podcast. I want to. I want to watch it and blow it up. I want to be there. I want to see you. Heard it here first. Jock Jones, MLB legend, USC legend, my boy. Good to see you.